Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. Today I am joined by Abigail Lynham and Jeff Fitch from Pacific Integral and we are going to explore awakened wholeness. We'll explore parts work and its relationship to awakened wholeness. We'll explore integration practices, how we can tune into collective intelligence and how we can explore co-emergence. Jeff Fitch is one of the founding partners of Pacific Integral, a coach, a trainer, a facilitator of transformational growth in individuals and organizations. And and Abigail Lynham is faculty for Fielding University's PhD program in human and organizational development and senior faculty for Pacific Integral. Also a skilled facilitator, developmental assessor, debriefer and coach. I'd also like to tell you about Reimagine Leadership. It's our new online program for coaches who coach leaders. We have been hard at work clocking this one up and I'm really proud of it. It's designed to give you what we feel are the skills needed to coach leaders in these times as we move away from old leadership paradigms that offer a static set of leadership competencies which are decontextualized and don't offer any generative way to embody those. In Reimagine Leadership, we re-emphasize the interconnectedness of the leader to themselves and all the systems they are part of, the teams, the organizations they work within. And we have an incredible faculty. Bob Anderson and Nicholas Yanni will lead the first module sharing with you a new emergent model of leadership, teaching you how to continually return to presence, a key factor in masterful coaching, how to expand beyond just rational thinking in order to access information might not normally be available, how to work with healing and shadow, intuition and expanded states of consciousness, and systems and innovation work. And building on that module two with Marita Frijon, Marita will teach you about systems-inspired leadership, teaching you how you can support leaders to manage their own complexity as well as those of their teams, and how to foster open dialogue and manage conflict within teams. And module three, led by Peter Hawkins, is going to teach us how we can shift our attention to the wider ecology that's present in our relationship so we can participate in evolutionary unfoldment. Peter will teach about the return journey to participatory consciousness and how we can find our unique gift as a coach when we coach leaders so that we can double the beneficial impact that we have in the world. And we also have some incredible bonus. We also have some incredible teachers in module four who will offer perspectives on embodied leadership. Many, many coaches have already joined in this first cohort. If you want to find out more, you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash reimagine leadership. And our early bird will close on the 29th of September. Full enrollment is open until the 16th of October. All right, with that all being said, let's dive in. Here's the podcast with Abigail and Jeff. All right, so Abigail and Jeff. Uh, yeah, it's really nice because I'm now, I'm looking at two people on my Zoom screen here, and normally I have one, and it's like it's it's uh, I'm enjoying that feeling, and we're here today to talk about cultivating emergence, and in general, I think we'll tap into the work you're doing with Pacific Integral, 
Um, so let me just ask first how each of you are in this moment. Good, Joel. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. And I'm really happy to, to get to have this conversation today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, um, yeah, I think there's a few big ideas that I've underlined as I kind of read about what you're up to. And so I just want to pick them off like one by one and let's just see where we go. And I think we're going to weave together both, you know, like the bigger picture along with some practical sides of this, you know, like uh, practices or things we might do as coaches even. So, but, um, you know, the first thing that you you write about, which really speaks to me these days, is this idea of awakened wholeness. Uh, you know, wholeness, uh, those two words together, man, that just hits a real sweet spot for me. So maybe you could tell us what you mean by that and why, you know, why is that important in these times in particular? Um, yeah, what does it mean to be conscious and whole in, in these disruptive times? Thank you, Joel. Um, it's such a such a big question. Um, you know the the the, the phrase awaken wholeness kind of evokes um, you know two 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 dimensions of something. You know, I think you're when you said those two words together evoke something. There's a kind of completeness to it, which is you could say the ascending and descending paths. You know, it's uh, there's something about um, awakening, which is seeing through, you know, the dream that we're in, liberating ourselves, transcending, um, awakening to uh, something deeper, more free. Um, I'm trying to speak about this in general terms, you know, these are spoken about very particularly in different kind of spiritual paths. And, and wholeness, in a sense, is embracing what is, you know, going deeper into um, what's present, you know, more inclusive, more embodied, um, uh, more uh, alive, more feeling in a way, if you want to put that, put it that way. So it's, um, it's, uh, and it also includes this kind of, uh, maybe another way of, 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 um, speaking to those two words is the simplifying and complexifying. You know, there's something about embracing more of our complexity, more of our richness, more of our relationships, uh, growing our own inner complexity as, you know, as we do help people as coaches, but also cutting through, simplifying, seeing through what is and coming to the, the heart of the matter. So I'm speaking a bit, a bit kind of poetically. Um, there's practices and things that we do to engage with both of those dimensions. But the other, the other thing about this is, um, I'm speaking about it kind of more as a, as a practice of development, you might say, or, or kind of growth. But this place of awakening wholeness is really, in another perspective, our birthright. It's what's already here all the time. And when we, we begin to recognize it, um, it's, it, it's like coming home. Right? It's like coming home to the wholeness of what is like the, like like all of this this whole uh, and and um, that's kind of the kind of inner practice of this in a way and that leads us to well then what do you how do you engage in emergence from a, an already 
re recognized place of the wholeness of things. Um, and it turns out it's a, like a really great way to <laughs> work with the world. You know, there's a lot of benefits to it, but but it's really about coming home in a way, it's about coming home at a deeper level. Yeah, I don't know if you want to add to that, Abigail. Yeah, I'd love to add to it. It's, um, you know, I just love, love hearing your description of it, Jeff. And it's, you know, it's it's the deepest heart of the the work that we're engaging in. And, and you'd made reference to, you know, why is it important in these times? You know, it feels so fundamentally, foundationally important. I, you know, I'm, you know, a couple of things arise. One is the recognition of as we, as we ground in the wholeness that's already here and the the liberation of um, of, a, of awakening or awareness itself, it, it gives us the the possibility for you know for for novelty and um, the resources in a sense to to meet the intensity of these times and um, and so they feel like a, a partner with one another. You know the intensity, the divisions, the kind of social and ecological breakdowns that we're navigating as a human family, and then this this deep ground essence of who we truly are, um, the two come together. And I think in such a, you know, beautifully potent um, and potential way in the sense that one, the awakened wholeness gives us the, I think a possibility to meet the moment in a way that um, maybe, maybe if we're lucky makes new futures possible, certainly is uh, my sense, our sense. Yeah. The, the, it's really beautiful what you're both sharing. And I, I want in a moment I want to ask about this wholeness that's here because um, but let me see if I can just kind of coalesce my my thinking. Um, you know, it seems like this is part of a paradigm shift, you know, that we've talked about on the podcast a lot, and I'm sure you're both familiar with too, you know, as we move out of modernity and, and a kind of Cartesian focus on reductionism, and you've got you've got thinkers like Ian McGilchrist who's talking about, you know, this move back into participatory consciousness uh, where we experience the world in a very different way. So there's something afoot, you know, here um, because it seems like our reliance on the, uh, you know, on a particular way of being in the world, solving problems, reducing things to parts is insufficient to be able to, solve the challenges we're in, but also be in the experience of complexity, the experiential intensity of comp complexity. So, so this kind of comes to my question. My first question is like, because we, we talk, you, you know, you guys are developmentalists. And so we talk about, you know, people developing in a way to mature levels of consciousness and those levels being the ones that could respond to the challenges of the world. But, it also seems like those are quite rarefied as it, it, like I'm questioning that these days in, in the sense of what is it, what's something that we can all begin to access collectively wherever we are in our life. Um, so, so I'm, so I'm getting now to like, what do you think about what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. And, and also like, could you maybe point us towards this wholeness, which maybe is possible wherever we are, you know, in the, in the stages of our life. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, just to pick up, I'll start with picking up the first part of your question about the developmental perspective. I mean, it, 
you know, we've worked with development from the beginning and um, of our work and done a lot of research through that perspective. And it's an, it's an important perspective, but it's easy to get, it's easy to get con- confused with it in a sense. Um, um, and that's also part, just part of the process, you know, like part, part of the, I mean, we're all, we're all confused <laughs> in different ways, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you said like something about, oh, it wouldn't take these kind of late stage capacity capacities, but they're rare, you know, and, um, and, and really, uh, how we've come to see, you know, if we just take our own growth is to see it much more holistically, you know, there's, um, we can't really put the human, story or the human growth into that kind of hierarchical progression of stages it's too it's too complex for that it's it's a lens that you know you can put those glasses on and look through it and see something important just like when you go to the doctor you can get under an mri and see something but that that is not a human being that you know that you're seeing on the screen it's just it's an amazing view of something you know like a slices of your brain or whatever you're looking at you know it shows you something amazing but but we're you know we we don't we haven't even sorted out the relationship between experience and the body you know it's it's there's just much more complex than that and and when it comes down to with you just have to open up your eyes and see this you know like if you you know in 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 our generating transformative change program we have developmental diversity in that we had one cohort years ago that we figured between the faculty and the participants we had like seven different developmental levels according to the stages model in the cohort you know and and it's like you don't look at that group of people and think well i just like the later stage people and you know it's just we're all just diverse creations and we all have different skills and capacities and 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 we need all of that. So that's part of the wholeness is just that we need all of ourselves in different, different ways. And, and that's going to show up differently in every human being. Even that question of is that can we, is there something that we, that every person can open as a recognition, like that kind of universal realization of wholeness that, that we can all get and, and that's going to change everything. You know, that it's, it's, um, it, it's true and it isn't true. Right. <laughs> there's a way in which there's a way in which there's something universal that we do need to re-encounter. There's a kind of, um, you know, there's a kind of sense of belonging and part- participation that we can sense is true. And when we all touch into that, we're going to like smile at each other and we're going to go, this is it. And then we're going to start talking about our experience and we're going to realize that we're all describing it differently. So that, that difference in unity is, is part of it. It's part of what we're, what we're working with. And, and that's comes to the relationship dimension. You know, we touched on this briefly before the call and, and you touched on it when you said, oh, there's two people on the screen. And, you know, it's kind of like, since we've been doing this work, it's always been a group of people doing it. And, um, 
so part of the fire and the kind of growth of our work has been to really realize that relational dimension. So, so as we do that, as we come in, and we can talk about this in a minute, I'm just cutting myself off so I don't ramble too much, <laughs> too much more. But, but that, that coming into that diversity and is really what's, what's important here. You know, it's, it's not that we all kind of get enlightened in the same way, but that we can come into that deeper truth, but also work together in our difference because we're, we're, we're all going to make meaning. We're all going to see the world differently. We'll be at different developmental stages. So that is hopefully maybe touches on something of that relational and dimension that that's needed to actually bring the diversity together. We're not going to somehow reach the mountaintop together unless we can come into deeper relationship. I'm going to just gonna pause there and let Abigail add something. And also feel free to respond, Joel. I, in this moment, maybe what I'll say is, um, you know, I think of both the essence that we can touch into at any moment, no matter where we are and recognize our, you know, innate, innate wholeness um, and also the humbleness or the humility of realizing how much we need one another and that we are in, you know, sort of in some sense insufficient to uh, the challenges that we face in our life. And so, I, you know, there's, there's something that's said around, may our challenges be, you know, just big enough that we actually really know how much we need one another. And then when we need one another, we're, we're you know, there's a, there's a range of capacities that we're needing to just navigate life in these times. And so we need the full sweep of, of those capacities. And so those are some of the developmental differences, I think, that we're, we're referencing here. Um, and, and, and this is, you know, I'm not just saying this, of course, to, to say something that, you know, feels like the right thing to say or a nice thing to say. It's actually fundamentally true. It feels fundamentally true. If I feel my own humility in this moment, I recognize how much um, I need the insights and capacities and skills of, you know, in this moment, all of us to, to live well in this moment. Um, and, and then that's, you know, I think that's writ, writ larger. So it's, um, it's really central to, to some of what we come to recognize, you know, when we, when we're working with cohorts and there are these, you know, multiple forms of, of diversities inherent in any group of humans, how, um, you know, where the gifts arise are, oftentimes not where we predict that they would come from paradoxically. It's often the place that we thought we didn't need it or the thing that, you know, we didn't think would, would be the, um, you know, kind of like that essential insight that would carry us through a dark moment. So, um, yeah, so I just, in this moment, just feel so humble to that recognition and, and so deeply grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really pleased. There's been a lot of conversation about the, you know, de developmental uh, theories on on this podcast and in other places, and challenging certain ways we hold those. And like, yeah. I hear that nuance in the way you're holding them, which I appreciate. And I still want to come back to this like experience of wholeness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because and and I know uh, you 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 also talk about acceptance and presence. And I'm wondering, you know, because I, I I've noticed with my clients that. There, there is an experience of wholeness which people can access. 
And it's it's a felt experience. It's because you know in coaching there's a lot of talk about everybody's whole and all this. And um, I think for a long time, or at least I held that as a kind of just as a you know a kind of I don't know what to call it, but it's like something we say, you know. And but no, it's actually a it's a it's a felt experience in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if you see it that way, and if so, how how does it come about? Good questions you ask, Joel. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is an experience. I mean, maybe there's a, you know, there's an experience, for example, I want to I speak to something, but then come back to your early question. Is what's the way that anybody can experience that? You know, and, uh, and I think that there's a, there's a, there's an there's a way, you know, Suzanne Cook, right? I had this beautiful way of talking about like kind of the first, this is a developmental perspective, but kind of the, the, the up to kind of the sort of post-conventional development, it was a, like a kind of movement towards wisdom, towards knowledge and in the later developments, a movement towards wisdom um, and, or, or can, you know, like developing the self and then seeing through the self, you know, so there's, there's a way at a, at a certain point in our growth, we begin to like become less interested in acquiring things and more interested in kind of letting go and, and coming down to the essence. And that can be seen as, as a, in the practice of, you know, in, in the practice of emptiness, for example, of seeing through what we take to be our, our thoughts, our feelings, our, and ultimately our sense of, personal self, you know, our, our personal identity. Um, so I think when, when, um, you know, sometimes when people are speaking of this kind of deeper presence or ground of being or wholeness, they're touching into a kind of level of awareness that's deeper than self. So, and, you know, the self, Part of what the self does is divide, you know, divides things between me and you and this and that. And seeing through that and come into this deeper sense of, of ground, you know, that there's this, um, you know, boundless space of awareness that, that everything's arising in, which is a different experience from I'm here and everything's out there. So that's kind of, awareness, recognition of this, something that might be experienced as wholeness um, because it's more embracing this boundless, timeless space that's the, the, the canvas on which our experiences come. And I also want to I want to point to another kind of experience that people can have of fullness, which I think is just as important and, and um, which is when we, when we encounter one of those places where we create division and we, and we let it relax. So it might be a division in ourself between like some part of myself that I don't like and some part of myself that I like, or it might be 
between myself and a relationship or myself and you know another political party or country when we when we when we begin to see like oh that's something like that division isn't inherent it's something that that i'm willingly participating in and i can let go of that and that's actually real also a real experience of wholeness you know that the first one that i pointed to of of letting go of some sense of the self into this deeper ground is kind of a you know it's, it's like taking a garbage can out to be <laughs> separation but it's but but everyday moments we're constantly meeting these parts where we go like where we're separating ourselves from life where we're avoiding relationship as we die used to say you know where we're becoming separate and those moments at all stages of life we experience we can experience the healing of those parts of ourselves and i think that's just as important you know it's um yeah, I just I, I love the the two dimensions that you're speaking to there, Jeff. And I, you know, what's what's present for me right now is, you know, last night I I you know was kind of in a, a reckoning with myself around some some things in relationship to my work and shed some tears. And you know, there's a beautiful moment of encountering the wholeness that's right on the other side of the challenge that I was facing. And so I, you know, it's one of the. I mean, there's a couple of things that that come. One is, you know, as we're with one another as one of us is grounded in wholeness, it makes it makes it more accessible for the other. So thinking about in a coaching relationship, the, you know, presence of the coach and so forth and, or, you know, the client, but as, as one of us is grounded in wholeness, then it can help the other, you know, access that and remember it. Um, and then also as we turn towards simply what life serves up in the way that you were speaking to there, Jeff, you know, it's, I think of the, you know, the curriculum of life. Can I truly trust what's arising and know that what's arising is actually pointing me right to a deeper wholeness if I turn towards it, if I can embrace it and and include it, work with it. Um, and I, you know, personally, I have to come back to that, that knowing over and over and over again, because when I face the division, when I face the um, the judgment that I have about another or the you know, the fear that I have in relationship to a challenge, I, I can have some internal movement that has me think, oh, no, this can't be trusted. This is a problem. This isn't going to, you know, resolve itself into, you know, into the greater wholeness that it is. And the turn towards it, the embrace of it, and sometimes the engagement with another around that makes all the difference. And so I, it's a, um, it's just such a, I mean, in this moment, feel so grateful for the way life provides us exactly what we need to, um, you know, to sort of face into the divisions that you are referencing there, Jeff, as doorways to this wholeness. Um, and 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 so one of the things that is, you know, it's it's so basic and yet it's miraculous in another way. I think about in the context of the group work that we do. Um, you know, working with what's naturally going to arise between people because of the ways we can't yet understand each other's experience or the ways we, you know, have 
been raised in different contexts and have different perspectives on things. It's it's working with that content together that opens up again this this deeper ground. And you know, one of the one of the practices that we work with are um, you know we do we do shadow practices in various ways, individual shadow practices, and then collective shadow work. And and it's um, you know again, it's both surprising to me and and not surprising that as we actually work to reveal some of the ways that we separate from one another, the, the judgments, projections, the othering that we do of one another, as we actually surface those in, in the context of relationship, how it, again, is the, in, in and of itself a doorway to, to this deeper ground of wholeness. And um, to me, that's, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's actually something, something somewhat miraculous, um, in a sense, and so true. Yeah, I'd love to actually ask you about practice here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of here, like, in terms of what you might do yourselves, Abigail, you're kind of speaking into that, actually, you know, your own relationship to what life brings. And and so maybe you could speak in terms of practice here, also what you might do with, I think, I know you're a coach, Jeff. I'm not sure, Abigail, if you work one-on-one, but with clients and also groups, because like I'm hearing that there's both, you know, a kind of expand expansion or, or like opening to something bigger than the usual sense of self we might have, you know, which might be, you know, uh, feel itself as being separate, be constructed as a collection of parts or, you know, thoughts about the world. So opening to something bigger than that, but at the same time, not rejecting our human experience, you know, so that it sounds like wholeness can allow for both, you know, that it, that it has to include our brokenheartedness or our grief or our every, everything that's here in being human. So, yeah, what are, what are the practices that you find? Yeah, just to, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm maybe we can, actually, I won't do that. I'll complicate things. So just maybe you go with practice first because I want to link it with emergence and acceptance and stuff, but we'll get that. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would start from the place of saying that, you know, it's it's some I'm repeating myself to it to it in a sense, but then we'll we'll elaborate on this is so just turning towards what is um, whatever's presenting itself as a challenge in the moment in our lives, you know, personally, interpersonally and so forth is is the place to start. Um, and and it's it's the recognition or the trust that whatever's arising has something to teach us. Um, you know, it's presenting itself for a reason. And then if we can turn towards what that is and hold it with some love, care, respect and truthfulness, then to allow itself to, you know, to, to ripen and open into um, the gift that it ultimately is, but doesn't feel like in the moment. So I can give an example, you know, thinking about the the my own relationship with fear in life, you know, the kind of it's something that's, you know, played a role in my life. And for many, you know, for so long, I, I wanted it to only go away. Um, and as I, you know, developed the skills and capacities and got support to sort of lean into the fear, discovering the gifts that are in the arm, arms of the fear that actually point me towards what really matters in, in my life and the courage that that I have to, you know, to face the fear in the first place. So, so it's working with what is arising, you know, what's, what's there um, as content or, or challenges in our own life, 
knowing that ultimately if we can actually be with that in a way that allows it to, you know, kind of open and, and deepen it, it itself becomes a doorway to this uh, greater wholeness. So, so there's kind of practice or principle number one. Um, and then, and then a second one, as I was just referencing is working with some of the, um, you know, the sort of the ways that we, the, the, you know, doing shadow work. So working with the, the parts of ourselves that we have, you know, disowned or and pro- therefore project out into the world that we're not conscious of doing. Um, and so, I mean, in a sense, it's, this is actually a similar principle and practice because we're reclaiming something of ourselves that we've, you know, that we've given away. Um, and, and in so doing, um, you know, it might be something that we, you know, we have shame around or, um, you know, or received a message that it was unwelcome and, or unacceptable in the world. And so as we reclaim that, we're re- reclaiming our inherent wholeness and in the process of doing that, discover the gift that it is rather than it being inherently, you know, an unwelcome or unsavory part of ourselves. So those are a couple practices um, that can support this. Um, yeah, I mean, if we look at like the, the Generating Transformative Change Program, which is this kind of deep nine month journey that we go on with, with, with small groups of people, um, that's sort of the, in some ways, kind of the ground of our work, that program, and, and it shows expression in a number of different ways, including our individual work with people, but that the orientation towards practice there is a kind of, you know, it's a kind of holistic or integral approach to practice that includes a, a bunch of different kinds of orientation, shadow work, awareness practice, um, relational work, um, leadership practice, you know, uh, we work with sense making and perspective taking. And it's a kind of looking at that, the holistic, you know, orientation. And um, I love what you said, Abigail, about just that kind of orientation to like, to be with what is Um, not, you know, like that kind of, obviously, that's a starting point, because um, we're also holding like this sense of wholeness or, or um, it's not even potential, you know, it's just kind of recognizing the wholeness of of the person that you're working with or the group that you're working with and, and kind of making space for that to emerge. And, and I, I think that's one of the, the core, just to build on what you said, I think, I think it's one of the core orientations. And often when people come into our work, one of the first things they say is, is like, wow, I feel like, um, like I can just kind of relax and be myself and not have to play a role to, to, um, you know, like, I feel like I've kind of come home, you know, it feels like the, there's this kind of deep kind of embrace that they just sense in the space. And, and as a practitioner, as a coach, that's, you know, that's, you have to kind of earn that one, <laughs> you know, one, one judgment or shadow piece at a time that you hold, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you actually have to be open to, to whatever arises, including, you know, your own failure, chaos, you know, rejection, uh, um, unexpected events, you know, like when we go into that work, we're really like, we have an agenda, we have a, we have a curriculum, but it's really, we're, 
we're like looking at this group of people as like, well, what wants to emerge here? And 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 not just in the group, but in the individuals. Like, like, like who are you? You know, like being in that curiosity moment to moment. And and um, yeah, so you have to like work with your own inner parts that 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 might not be ready to go along for that ride wherever it goes. So I think that's an important practice as, you know, obviously as a, as a coach, that's a kind of orientation is to be aware of your own agenda or even letting go of your own identity as a coach as you're engaging in, in the process, which comes into that deeper thing of relationship, right? To that relationship. In yeah. that space of presence. Yeah, I kind of been playing around with the idea of like the gradual and immediate path to um, to this type of work, you know, and that gradually over time, as we do more and more integrated work, uh, like we're able to be more present, and there's a kind of intimacy and spaciousness that opens up, um, and that's beautiful. And that's what we can do as coaches or facilitators with, with groups or individuals. But there's this also this immediate practice that I hear both of you describe of, of learning to kind of embrace what's here and what's arising and how kind of, kind of tantric that path is, you know, how it can actually yeah. begin to liberate the energy that gets caught up with compartmentalizing experience or resisting experience and, I guess this kind of touches into then the um, emergent aspect of this practice, you know, it seemed, and maybe this is the question you could speak into, like, you know, what do you see happening in your own experience and as uh, with groups and individuals, as, as people kind of learn to cultivate emergent, you know, is there an emergent kind of dynamic that we're tapping into that allows for something to happen? And if so, what? Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. That's my answer to your question. <laughs> you know, like, like the, the, what we see in, you know, particularly you see this in collective spaces, I, I think, which is a little bit maybe different than kind of the coaching paradigm. And that, but often, you know, I mean, coaches are like often working in collectives too, but, but what we're in a, in, in our work, we're really looking at how does the individual and the collective co-emerge in a space of emergence. So we're, we're working both in this sort of individual and collective dimensions. We're, you know, you, you can speak to your question individually, like what does there, is it, are you participating in an emergence with a sense of the I emerging, you know, like something emerging in me, or is it happening in us? You know, is that is that happening in us? And how do we how do we cultivate and participate in that in that happening in both I and we? And ulti- and, and then you know that's a kind of shift in perspective to something that we haven't kind of named yet, which is this larger field that that transcends the I and we. And I think Dan Siegel called it that. We for me and we, which I think is, is just such a weird word to say. I don't think that's going to catch on. 
you know, so it's, uh, you know, this larger kind of whole, you will, unfolding. And so when the, when we can cultivate that kind of emergence in that larger whole, there is a sense of unfolding that's just happening with our participation, but without our, our control of it in some sense. And, um, one of the things that we see in that space is it can be a space of like tremendous creativity and flow and openness and um, yeah, kind of magic, but it's also, you know, from the subjective sense, it's also an experience of participating in something larger. And as we're in a sense, um, I think in this kind of touches into the larger movement and modernity of, of having lost a sense of collective in, in some ways of, of kind of losing our way from this sense of being part of nature or consciousness or this larger whole. And so it's a, in that way, it's a profound kind of um, return to belonging and participation, which I think is really really important and healing in a lot of ways in our in our world. I think um I think there's a a benefit to the to cultivating a sense of, of emergence and working with complexity where where we really have to engage with problems which we can't stand outside of, which we're a participant in. Um and but also it's a return to belonging which is really profound and um is important to acknowledge i don't know if that answers your question or not i'll see if i can add to it you know i i um i think about you know if we're we're let's say emergence itself is is always happening there's always something that's emerging unfolding a greater potential that we may or may not be conscious of or have access to um, and and there's all kinds of reasons in ourselves that we aren't, you know, available to that or, or conscious of it, all kinds of habit patterns that we've accumulated, you know, over over the events of our lives that obscure that greater unfolding um, that's that's always available. And so in in the context of the generating transformative change program, you know, we're we're doing work at the intersection of the I and the we. And, you know, any one of us can step into a new collective context and have all kinds of hopes and aspirations about, you know, what's going to happen and, and who we're going to become. And then, of course, what we encounter is ourselves as we've been in the world. You know, we 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 reiterate those habit patterns. And so part of what we're working with um, in, in these cohorts is, is being conscious of that process at play and starting to reformulate it in a way. So, um, so if each of us is a, is a sort of set of <laughs> habit patterns that, you know, that we play out in our lives and we bring that into a new collective setting, then how can we be conscious of noticing when those habit patterns are arising and how we might be able to, to loosen them up a little bit and start to reorganize ourselves so that healthier relationships are possible. So that's some of what we work with is, is, you know, the kind of the, the patterning of, of individuals and groups and, and working with them directly. 
Um, and so, for instance, that comes in the form of, you know, doing, you know, turning towards conflict as it arises and letting it itself be, you know, the catalyst for, for a deeper healing and a, and a new, kind, new way of being in relationship. And in the process of doing that, as the healing is, is occurring, as the opening is occurring to, you know, kind of a, a deeper sense of ourselves and, and one another, then emergence starts to flourish um, in that context in a way that perhaps we hadn't been available to previously. And so that's some of the territory that we're in. It's, um, you know, it's some of it might be particular to these, you know, the sort of the Western individualized, um, you know, world that we live in, the, the some of the um, obscurations or limitations of modernism that we're seeking to heal. But some of it is just about this very, you know, illusion of separateness that we, um, you know, that we that we seem to be inherently born into. So in the process of working with that, of opening that up, of beginning to, um, you know, kind of to heal that or, or recover our inherent wholeness, then then all of a sudden we we're more conscious and we have more capacity to to work with the very emergence that's that's right there. Um, and so the, the, the one thing I'll add to what I'm speaking to here is, um, you know, we have this nine month developmental journey for the individual and the collective. We have we have no idea where individuals actually and also the group are going to end up. It's part of the the in the practice of the process is to actually be open to the emergence of the collective and to design for that. So, you know, so we have built into our our curriculum a um, you know, there's nine months, the program's over at some point, but the cohort itself is birth, birthing its own future. And we, um, you know, we, we want some of the things we talk about is in a sense, the program begins when it ends, because the cohort is beginning its life, um, you know, as a as an organism, as a body, as a being beyond, you know, beyond the confines of the program. And in the process of that, the individuals are also waking up to who, you know, to, to their potential or who they're becoming in that in, in that relational context. So, um, yeah, so these are some of the kind of an inherent dimensions. And, you know, I know we're talking about this in the, in the context of a particular program that might be different than, you know, than some of the folks listening to the podcast here. But there's it's it's very similar to what we're doing in, in a coaching relationship. You know, it's the, it's it's just at a slightly different scale. Yeah, no, it's like as I, as I hear each of you speaking, it's it's like I'm tuning into the 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 relational aspect of this work you know how we're we're created in relationship and there's a there's a healing that can take place an integration that can take place in relationship and and even like seeing the coaching as a, as partnering rather than um you know as i'm going to be coaching you you know over there um which creates a different feel um you know and maybe then we can play into like i'm going to i'm going to deploy a process and get to a certain place there's a qualitatively different feel to this this journey you're describing or this way of being where where there's a there's a holding space and a, and a kind of attitude and a partnering that allows for for evolution for emergence to take place and I'm, I, I guess I'm curious if you could give some examples either with coach you know coaching examples or in groups of what that emergence feels like you know like how, how do you distinguish it between 
you know, I think in a way, like we're all listening, know that difference, but maybe you could speak to it. Like then, you know, you mentioned these habit patterns we go in with, like, you know, what, what, how do you know when intelligence is arising, you know, collective intelligence or emergence? How do you distinguish that between other types of experience? I don't know if that's too abstract. I'd love to kind of like give, yeah, bring examples too. Do you have an example, Abigail? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, waiting for one to arise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just feeling into your question, Joel. So you're, your your question is um, like what it, you said something about what does it feel like or how do you know like in a, when when that kind of um, in, intelligence collective intelligence arises or and how do you distinguish that from something else? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know the the question of how do, how do you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of leads me, you know, into uh, an enigmatic place, you know, I mean, we don't really know, right, you know, in a certain certain sense, I was listening, I can't remember her name, but I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a, a, someone who's a really deep kind of expert on trauma healing, a psychologist the other day, and 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 she said, um, you know, like every treatment that we know for trauma, like like the research shows, each treat no, no treatment works more than fifty percent of the time. Um, and and you know, she kind of was giving this perspective that you know everything we think about it, that is just our different opinions, and that you really you really have to go deeply into relationship with the client and and not come in with your theories and practices about what's happening and, and really like find out together what's, what's needed and what's emergent and what wants to, what's going to make the difference for that person. And um, which I, I love that perspective. It was a bit provocative, but it was also, it was also obviously a perspective of someone who'd, who'd, who'd done the work for years and who had gained the wisdom of, of you know trying each tool and having it fail and and rumbling around in the box for the right one you know and 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 i i think that there's there's something like like we in this work in this work of emergence we often just have this kind of experience of like whether it's working with somebody individually or we're working in a collective that that what's arising is kind of magical like like oh there's this insight that the person has there's this opening that happens you know i can't i can't trace how that arose you know i might just you know just yesterday i was sitting with a client who um who's very, you know, like experienced and done a lot of work. And, you know, we had the kind of 10 minutes of like talking about everything that was going on in her life. And, and, um, and then at some point, you know, she said, like, I want to work with that. I have like these real desires and dreams for my life that I can't, I can't like talk about them with you in the room. And like, so that's totally like, wow, okay. 
where do you go with that? You know? <laughs> and so in that moment, you know, we just were with it. We just like, I, you know, like I, we just followed it, you know, and allowed her to go there to experience you know, like, well, I, and at some point I said, well, like I asked her what she wanted, you know, and she like couldn't say because it was, she was in that place of shame, you know, over her own desire in life. So we just embraced it and let it unfold and, and, and met it and loved that place. And at the end, and at the end of the session, she was like, like, obviously something had really shifted in her. And the coach part of me wanted, wanted like, can you like summarize the, you know, <laughs> what just happened, you know? And uh, like, uh, you know, the insight and the takeaway and the, and it was just a moment of relationship, you know? It's just like, you know, anything to be said would just like, you know, we'd be talking about it. And, and, uh, so, but at a, at a deeper level, that kind of your question is like the experience of, of those moments of magic in a kind of coaching context and working on, with collective emergence. Like, like I would say, like, why aren't we experiencing all of this as magic constantly? You know, it's from another perspective. It's, you know, those are moments where we are willing to let go of our expectations about what's happening and just really enter into relationship. And I think we can, you know, like, see all of this as a magical display. It's just emerging. So it's both our view of it and our relationship to it. And also like what actually happens in that space. It's it's legitimate, you know, to to be in deep presence with each other. And um it does have a healing effect. Yeah. I think we, you know, I think it seems like we, we all have a kind of inner, inner compass or inner sensing of, you know, when, when we're more deeply in alignment, more deeply home and available to, you know, kind of what's arising and, and moving with life as opposed to, you know, kind of against it or trying to control or shape what's happening. And, um, and, you know, and, and it can be experienced as more flow, more freedom, um, more self-expression, more, um, less, more of a sense of kind of integration and um, kind of all, all of the self being online and available for, you know, for what, what's happening. And so, you know, examples of that for me are similar to maybe some of the ones you were sharing, Jeff, but, you know, it's where somebody who in a, in a you know, particular context has felt a little bit held back or a little bit less self-expressed or something like that all of a sudden is um, uh, freer, freer in their, you know, their presence and their self-expression. 
Um, and then at, at the group level, it, it also seems to, you know, it's, it's something about being responsive and adaptive in the moment to, to what's happening. Um, so having more capacity to, in a sense, say yes to, you know, you can say yes to the mess, which also then over, over time can unfold into yes to, you know, the beauty that's, that's arising. And, you know, I think about in the context of the cohorts that we're working with, there's there's always um, there's something you know there's things that arise that that uh, have to do with who the individuals are in the room. Maybe a particular form of healing that needs to happen that's between two people that also implicates a larger human history. You know, so I think about that. Like I can think of a particular cohort where there was a white South African and a um, a black woman from Zimbabwe, and the um, the healing that happened between the two of them around uh, you know the history of of race. Racism and, um, and, and in particular, um, you know, apartheid in South Africa was profound for the cohort at the level of the individuals, but also you have that sense of, of its, its, its implications for the larger human, you know, human history or human story. And, and then what arose out of that for that group was, um, you know, a, a song was created that was um, drawing on the, um, the, indigenous wisdom of Zimbabwean people um, of the Hunu, um, Hunu tradition. And, you know, a song was written and it was recorded and it continues to be shared. And so there's an example of something arising in the context of a particular collective of humans that they were available to and responsive to, I think, partly because of the, the mm -hmm. quality of the, the space and the depth of the work that they've been doing together. And it's never about the particular, you know, content or project or, you know, kind of endeavor that arises out of, you know, the kind of collective emergence process. I think it's more of the quality of relationships, quality of space and the quality of availability to that. Um, that seems to really be kind of the essence that um, inspires or, or makes that possible. Mm, yeah. Can I just add something there, Joel? I, um, I think it, in kind of both of our examples, um, there's something I just want to speak to, which is that, you know, we've been talking about relationship and this is really at the heart of what we do. We, I, I, I'm thinking of, um, there's this, uh, someone who's, um, in a cohort, uh, last year who, like we were deep in the process, you know, after several months and he, he, um, <laughs> he, he made this joke. He was kind of like, he was, he said like, this is about real relationship. And he said like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> and he was, he was like, not mad about it. He was actually saying like, he was expressing that he was all in for it. But it, he, he also said, you know, there's this kind of, he's a Buddhist practitioner and he, he said, there's this kind of distinction of the outer teaching, the inner teaching and the secret teaching. And he sort of reflected back to us, which I really love. He said that the outer teaching is this kind of practice of immersion and sort of transformative change of, of our work. And the inner teaching is this practice of awakened wholeness of actually coming home. And he said, the secret teaching is really relationship. And it's, to me, like it's really at the heart of what we do. And I think there's, there's, I want to make a distinction. I think right now in a lot of this work, there's this really beautiful, like cultivation of relational practice, of we space practice, of coming into like an intimate relational 
authentic, real field. And there's something that we've really learned, I think, about this work, which is that there's something that goes deeper than that. That that real relationship is deeper than relationship technology. You know, that it's actually about people forming commitments together to, with each other, forming, creating memories together, getting involved in each other's lives. I'm speaking about something at a, the more concrete dimension of relationship, not this this more subtle relational field that we cultivate. So, I mean, we have this amazing capacity, which is, you know, you can fly a group of people into a hotel room and they can fall in love with each other after a couple of days. And, but they might not remember each other's names. <laughs> and, and the deeper work here is really actually to know each other, you know, to live with each other, to, to engage with each other in each other's lives. And that's where it gets messy. You know, because you can, and and you see this in spiritual communities, you know, when people actually get to that level of involvement, you see, you see what's really present. And, and that's this, this heart of relationship to me is so important um, that it's, um, that it's actually about being with each other. And this is something I feel passionately about because I, I think that's where as a human family we need to come is to actually see each other as human beings and to, to see our, our, our community, you know, and to come in our, into our community together. Yeah, I think that's a, a beautiful invitation and it just kind of mirrors sort of my own process actually after getting into we space practices for years like circling and stuff and you know uh, having great experiences in those um and still and still appreciating them but suddenly finding myself wanting to like have just everyday experiences with those same people that I was in those <laughs> workshops with yeah like I want to go fishing with you or like let's have a barbecue or like get a canoe and just go kayaking through Amsterdam right. and right. It's like the the mundane becoming sacred, or like the yeah, maybe that's even just turning it back into something. You know, it's like no, let's not compartmentalize life again. You know, which I, so I and I I wonder, um, you know, I did wonder about the question of leadership, but I actually just thought, oh, what what have we not talked about? that you think is important just to include in our conversation today? I mean, what's coming to me in this moment is, you know, kind of like what, what's called for from, you know, this kind of work and I, and I, and my, my sense in the moment or what's coming, coming in the moment is, is a sense of um, we need more spaces like this to support our, you know, growing up, waking up, um, you know, all the dimensions of, of what it means to um, support healthier, more whole, more mature, more awake, more just human beings, um, you know, for the sake of, for the sake of our collective humanity and, and what might make that possible. Um, and it's, you know, and, and maybe it's, you know, it's, it's not in contrast to what happens in, in family and in, in the communities that we're raised in, 
but it's in complement to that because it, it really does to me feel like we as again as a as a larger human organism or human family have there's so much to learn about um, this greater awakened wholeness and how it itself is fundamental to creating healthier futures for all of life and and so the context and containers for this kind of work are um I think are are just so are important um, because because of the possibility for creating new ways of being with one another and ourselves such that, you know, more healthy whole futures are possible. Um, So that's, yeah, something that's that is arising right now. And, you know, and I know that there's 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 such a tremendous array of offerings out there that are engaged in this work in in different ways. Um, But I but in this moment, I'm, I'm, you know, sort of thinking about the the folk school movement that arose in Scandinavia and its role in creating, you know, a more democratic future um, Mm. and that we need something along that, you know, along those lines at that level of scale um, to support this kind of, um, you know, maturing or developing our humanity. Yeah. Just to, just to kind of stay with that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking now of Thomas Bjorkman's book, writing about the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the big decision they made to create these centers of kind of learning and development for young people, I think in particular, how that transformed their culture. Um, yeah, because again, it's like, uh well i what's my question here i mean do we think that's possible you know do you think like something do we do we see the signs of that happening do you think do you think there's an appetite for that uh yeah i think we have to think it's possible what why not (laughs) anything's possible is there an appetite for it um in in my experience Joel there's like one of the things that like years ago my own kind of awakening experience led me to realize is that like in in our like got my hand on my heart right now like in our we have in ourselves a connection to this sort of um deeper ground out of which what naturally comes is a is a sense of a more whole world and my in my experience we've over and over again i've seen that recognized and awakened and in the people that we work with that we have a natural sense of like like that like of course that's possible of course it is you know it just it brings tears to my eyes that we would have that question of course it's possible if you just know it is and and yet there's some there's some like weight there's some clouds there's some layers of resignation some you know we're living in this kind of dream of impossibility you know it's it's like back in 2008 when there was a sort of economic downturn but everything that the constant refrain on the news, well, there's no work, there's no jobs or something like that. You know, there's nothing but stuff to do here. <laughs> just look out your window, you know, like, like that. It's just a dream that we can't do that. So it's, it's, that's partly the work. So there isn't appetite for it, but not because we don't hunger. You know? 
I think too, uh, you know, was we have younger and younger people being drawn to, um, you know, the generating transformative change program. And, you know, we've always had an age diversity from, you know, sort of mid to late twenties into seventies, which has, you know, been part of the richness of the work, but increasingly there's younger and younger folks being yeah. drawn to the work. And I, um, I'm so grateful that, you know, that, that we're doing this work and that others are as well, that the space exists and is available. And then to see the multi-generational learning and actually sometimes, you know, sort of speaking of that paradox of having the, you know, sometimes the, some of the older folks thinking like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I get to be in a mentorship role with, with this younger person and, and how the learning is so deeply reciprocal, how it goes in both directions. Um, and, and, you know, earlier we were referencing the, um, you know, how problematic it is to hold these later stages as somehow, and, you know, sort of the goal or inherently more, you know, of greater value than, than the, the wider developmental diversity. And, it is one of the patterns is that, you know, some of these younger folks that are being drawn to the work are assessing, you know, in some of these later developmental stages earlier in life. And that itself is, um, you know, is, I think is a fascinating phenomena and something to be supported. It's not to say that those later stages are more important, but, but it, it's a part of the human spectrum of experience. And there are gifts inherent in those capacities and, and they need to be cultivated and stabilized and normalized, honestly. Um, I mean, that for me is, you know, where some of the work has felt so, so moving is to see the support that, you know, some of the folks there that I was referring to receive from the possibility to participate in the work because they can feel like they can feel isolated, like such outliers really have a hard time relating to their peers. And so to find themselves in a collective context where what they're going through is, you know, celebrated and honored and then also supported. And it's, you know, kind of, and it's in, in their own maturing of it and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, I feel, you know, I feel grateful that our conversation as we're moving towards completion here is talking about this, doing this at a larger scale. And, you know, I teach in higher education and higher education itself has held a vision for what it means to, you know, educate the masses. <laughs> um, and I think it's really ripe for a revisioning of, of what that needs to be and what it can be. And I personally imagine something so much more in line of what, of what we're speaking to here, which we could call it a more holistic form of supporting people's development, but, you know, moving way beyond um, just the cognitive dimensions of what it means to grow and develop. Yeah, Godspeed to that. Um, yeah, I've been um, really impressed with some of the young people I've met recently. <laughs> you know, I've been a little bit intimidated by them as well. I was yeah. like talking to my friend. I was like, man, that used to be like us. You know, we were like, I'm, and I'm, I'm like looking in the mirror now and I'm like, whoa, you know, I still feel like I'm his age. But, you know, that guy, he's like 25 and he's got his head, you know, when I was 25, I was a mess. Like, so we really laugh about it now. But at the same time, you know, we can feel a little bit of our competitive kind of, I don't know what it is, you know, stupid, competitive. You have to, you have to, embrace, the you have to embrace the tragedy, Joel. You have to embrace the tragedy. Well, you know, that, that actually, is, we got to that place, you know, we were like, well, you know, there's something about middle age, you know, of course we've been talking about developmental uh, you know, theory right. and young, young people, um, you know, uh, reaching these mature stages earlier. And I don't, I'm just questioning this now. I'm like, Oh, 
and and are they still these young people? There's something about living half your life. You know, maybe we're talking now in the territory of soul, you know, a soul awakening, which might be different. I think it is actually, you know, that the, like, man, the hubris I had at one point, you know, in a good way, you know, but the hubris I had and yeah. the, yeah. the, the, the and, and then just having my heart broken open and, and, and going into some yeah. really horrible places and doubt and massive doubt and, you know, like, yeah. And, and, and yet, like coming through that and feeling feeling the wisdom that that starts to come through from that journey, you know. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 uh, that you're speaking to a kind of yeah, a kind of maturation which doesn't have to do with skills or capacity or developmental stages, but has to do with time. You know, I, I kind of call that like not developing vertically or up or down, but developing around, you know, there's something about going through the season over and over again in life that, that allows you to kind of see something or to gain practical wisdom, to gain a perspective. That's a, that's a important. Yeah. And that just takes time. Mm. You asked if there was anything we didn't talk about. And the thing that, the thing that, you know, <laughs> whenever we talk about this work, it sounds quite serious. But if you were actually participating in it, there's a lot of joy and play and humor and like <laughs> screwing around. It's incited. So we, we, we always have to say, you know, like this is, this is, um, opening into this openness is joyful, right? And it's, it's play, you know, it's, um, so there's, I just want to say that too, you know, it's, um, it's not about work. Hell yes to that. Yeah. I think we could do it with a collective dose of, yeah. It's not about work, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel what you, in particular you mean by it's not about work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's about, like, I, yeah, living, you know, like, uh, as a friend of mine used to say, like, living the future now, you know, it's, it's just being in the wholeness. It's probably a good invitation to end on there and actually i do want to ask you where we can find out more about the program you've been speaking about and any of the work you're doing yeah yeah i mean the best thing is to come to pacificintergold.com and just to see what we're doing there and also to um join our mailing list because there's things that were are coming up this this year that we haven't um that we haven't like opened up yet so but this this fall we're going to do more of um cultivating emergence which is a really a kind of short three seminar series um you know like a kind of taste of of the work that we're doing and we're as we mentioned um to you earlier we're we're uh, we've been doing this work around the world and we're we're specifically kind of cultivating and and um cultivating relationships and, and seeking to kind of to do more in Europe in the European context. And so we're going to be um, doing some programs that are more accessible to European audiences. And so 
So that's cultivating emergence. We have a kind of nine week um, deeper dive into the work that's online called emergent leadership, which we're doing right now. We'll have, we'll haven't scheduled another one of those, but we'll have one of those coming up. We have the generating transformative change program. And, um, and then this, this fall, Abigail and Sushant Shrestha are hosting a program on uh, cultural pluralism and diversity, and um, which will be a really deep um, dive into that topic. It's one of the things that we do is to, we did this the last couple of years with a program called Transformative, uh, Transformative Climate Advocacy. So we take this developmental work and bring it into a context of, of in the world that's that's needing some depth and engagement with with those kinds of practices and explore that and we'll be doing that again this fall but that's not that's not uh, announced yet but if you keep your eye on it that's that's something that that's coming up so yeah just come to our website or reach out to us happy to hear from anybody anytime and we we currently have GT we have GTC in uh, the South Pacific starting in November, one in North America starting in October, and then the one in Europe we're hoping to start in twenty early twenty twenty four. So that's the kind of timeline of that. Great, great. Thanks, Abigail and Jeff. Just uh, really appreciate the journey we've been on today. So yeah, great to, great to see you. I'd love to go kayaking in Amsterdam sometime. Let's do that, man. Just I got one now, so uh, we can do that. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. That's good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks yeah, so much for the conversation. Really enjoyed it and appreciated it. Yeah. Thank you, Joel, and really good to see you. I'd like to tell you about Reimagine Leadership. It's our new online program for coaches who coach leaders. We have been hard at work clocking this one up, and I'm really proud of it. It's designed to give you what we feel are the skills needed to coach leaders in these times as we move away from old leadership paradigms that offer a static set of leadership competencies which are decontextualized and don't offer any generative way to embody those in Reimagine leadership, we re-emphasize the interconnectedness of the leader to themselves and all the systems they are part of, the teams, the organizations they work within. And we have an incredible faculty. Bob Anderson and Nicholas Yanni will lead the first module, sharing with you a new emergent model of leadership, teaching you how to continually return to presence, a key factor in masterful coaching how to expand beyond just rational thinking in order to access information might not normally be available, how to work with healing and shadow, intuition and expanded states of consciousness, and systems and innovation work. And building on that module two with Marita Freejohn, Marita will teach you about systems-inspired leadership, teaching you how you can support leaders to manage their own complexity as well as those of their teams and how to foster open dialogue and manage conflict within teams. And module three, led by Peter Hawkins, is going to teach us how we can shift our attention to the wider ecology that's present in our relationship so we can participate in evolutionary unfoldment. Peter will teach about the return journey to participatory consciousness and how we can find our unique gift as a coach 
when we coach leaders so that we can double the beneficial impact that we have in the world. And we also have some incredible bonus. We also have some incredible teachers in module four who will offer perspectives on embodied leadership. Many, many coaches have already joined in this first cohort. If you want to find out more, you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash reimagine leadership and our early bird will close on the 29th of september full enrollment is open until the 16th of october just a a heads up again if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create then head to coachesrising.com put your name in the sign up box there you'll also find some of our other offerings our online trainings for coaches there and Just want to end by wishing you well and I'll see you again next time.